This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. Mr. and Mrs. North was a radio mystery series that aired on NBC and CBS from 1942 to 1954. Alice Frost and Joseph Curtin had the title roles when the series began. The characters, publisher Jerry North and his wife Pam, lived in Greenwich Village at 24 St. Anne's Flat. They were not professional detectives, but simply an ordinary couple who stumbled across a murder every two weeks for 12 years. That always breaks me up. The radio program eventually reached nearly 20 million listeners. In 1946, Mr. and Mrs. North received the Best Radio Drama Edgar Award from the Mystery Writers of America. Actually, it was a tie with CBS's The Adventures of Ellery Queen. The characters originated in the 1930s, vignettes written by Richard Lockridge for The New York Sun, and he brought them forth in short stories in The New Yorker. These stories were collected in, in Mr. and Mrs. North, 1936. Luttridge increased the readership after he teamed up with his wife, Frances, on the novel The North's Meat Murder. Tonight, we present The Russian Restaurant Murder. The Adventures of Mr. and Mrs. North, starring Alice Frost and Joseph Curtin, and brought to you by... Woodbury, Woodbury, Woodbury. For the skin you love to touch. Jerry and Pamela North, those lovable, laughable solvers of mysteries. For years, you've read about them in books and magazines. You've seen them on the stage and on the screen. Now here they are in person in The Adventures of Mr. and Mrs. North. There's a little Russian restaurant tucked away on one of the side streets of midtown Manhattan. And here we find Jerry and Pamela North just finishing dinner. There's a popular belief among epicures that music has power to aid digestion, but Jerry has some doubt about this. Oh, boy, listen to that fiddle. No wonder there's hardly anybody in the place. Shh, Jerry, I want to hear. What? Pam, please, it's dreadful. But, Jerry, that poor fellow's playing with his heart. Oh, that's it. I was blaming it all on the violin. 
I suppose if a swing band were going full blast, you'd think it was dandy. Well, at least I could keep time while I chewed. Oh. <laughs> Come on. Are you finished? Let's get out of here. All right, dear. A waiter. A waiter. Here, let me help you with the coat, dear. Ah, gentlemen. Ladies. It was all to your satisfaction. Yes. Oh, yes. Thank you. My wife even likes the music. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Dimitri. Enough. Go back to the kitchen. Oh, does he cook too? Dimitri? Oh, no. He washes the dishes. My wife, she cooks. Oh, are you the proprietor? No, lady. I own the restaurant. Oh. I am Josette. Dimitri is my brother. Vasya is my wife. I see. A family affair. I suppose the girl in the check room is your sister. No, that is not possible. But the doorman, he is my uncle. Vasov. Oh, how nice. Isn't that nice, Jerry? Mm-hmm. Oh, dear, will you give me a uh, coat check? My compact's in your overcoat pocket. Yeah? Well, let's see. Oh, here it is. I'll fix my face while you're paying the check. See you in the lobby, Jerry. Now, uh, gentlemen, let me see. Have you the bill? Oh, yes. Even now, I subtract it. $20. Ah, so. $240. What? Let me see. Perhaps it is wrong. No, no, no. Not very. It's $2.40. But the Pam. I'm coming, Pam. I'm coming. Oh, Jerry, it's terrible. It's well, in terrible. heaven's name, what happened? Look. There in the check room. Where? Over the table. What? Good Lord. Jerry, I think she's dead. She certainly is. That's a stiletto in her back. <laughs> We'll rejoin Mr. and Mrs. North in just a moment. But meanwhile, ladies, do you realize for just 10 cents you can buy a trial-sized jar of Woodbury Cold Cream, a cream proved to give as fine or even finer beauty results than the costliest creams. And I mean proved. Proved by a test among more than 1,000 women. These women use six leading creams, including Woodbury Cold Cream and some of the costliest brands you could name. The creams were all in plain, unlabeled jars. Yet the majority of the women picked one cream as definitely best, Woodbury Cold Cream. Actually, they preferred Woodbury even to those costliest creams. Well, here's why Woodbury is so outstanding. Its four special ingredients and its fine oils cleanse thoroughly, leave your skin feeling gloriously fresh and clean. They lubricate help ward off aging dryness. They make your skin gorgeously softer and smoother. And besides, there's an element working in the jar to keep the cream absolutely pure. And no other cream at any price has that. Why not send out now for Woodbury Cold Cream? If your skin isn't lovelier after using it only seven days, return that jar to Woodbury at Cincinnati, Ohio, and you'll get double your money back. Regular sizes are 25 cents, 50 cents, 75 cents, and a big economy jar at a dollar and a quarter. Remember, Woodbury will save you so much compared with your former expensive cream that you can buy more war stamps and bonds. And Uncle Sam will like that. Tonight, start using Woodbury. That's W-O-O-D-B-U-R-Y, Woodbury Cold Cream.
back to the adventures of Mr. and Mrs. North. A few minutes have passed since Pam and Jerry discovered the body of the checkroom girl in the Russian restaurant. Oh, what is to become of us? Please, Mr. Joseph. What can I do? Stabbed here in my own restaurant. All right, Pam. Did you get Bill Wagon, Jerry? Yes, he'll be right over with the homicide squad. Oh, good. Joseph, who is this girl? This girl I do not know. Her name, it is Betty. Is that all you know about her? Oh. But you hired her to work for you, didn't you? No, I did not hire her. She was sent here by the man who has the concession for hats and coats. You mean someone actually paid for the checkroom concession in this place? Why, it can't possibly pay the girl's salary. He did not pay for the concession. He come one day, say, I must let him run hats and coats. I say, no. He say, yes. Or he will have my license taken away. Oh, a racket. Why, that's shameful. He's big man. Lots of politics. Who is he? Charles Moran. Chuck Moran, huh? Jerry, isn't he the man who runs the Club Rue? Yes, and a lot of concessions and hotels and clubs around town. Now I see why he's got a monopoly. I wonder if... Jerry, look. There's a purse hanging on the hook. Uh, couldn't we go through it? Why, yes, I guess we can. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, Jerry, be careful. Don't touch her. Don't worry. Look how she fell forward across that little table. I'm afraid Wigan won't find many clues. Why not, Jerry? Whoever did it must have slipped in quickly, plunged that stiletto into her, and gone out just as fast. You don't leave any traces when you work like that. Jerry, I wish you wouldn't say you. Oh, let's see the bag. Uh, here, we'll put everything on this other table. Wigan don't want to see all this stuff. Well, it's not much. Lipstick, compact. Oh, there's a key. Oh, wait. It's a piece of paper. Oh, milk bill. Made out to Mrs. Charles Moran, 596 East 54th Street. Apartment 9A. Mrs. Charles Moran? Do you suppose Chuck she... Chuck Moran's wife. His wife? Can it be possible? I'd better go over and find out. Jerry, you're staying right here. Now, Pam, we don't want to make any mistakes. If this is Chuck's wife, he should know about it. If she's not, well, it might be wise to find out what he does know. Well, why don't you phone? Phone? He has no phone. I can never get him. I guess he has a phone, all right. But only the people he wants have the number. Now, Pam, when Wigan gets here, give him all the details. But, Jerry, I Remember, don't... Pam, you're the one who found the body. The body? Here in my restaurant? It's not far from here. I'll be back in ten minutes. <laughs> Take it easy. I'm coming. Well? Excuse me. Is this where Chuck Moran lives? Right. Is he in? Who wants to know? My name is North. Gerald North. Oh, you're a friend of Chuck's? Well, I, I've seen him around town. I'm a publisher. Oh, you publish those detective stories, don't you? That's right. Oh, say, I was just reading that one, um, The Kiss of Death. Well, it has been rather successful. Well, say, come on in. Chuck ain't here right now, but he ought to be along any minute. Thanks. Uh, are you Mrs. Moran? <laughs> Do I look it? Well, uh, uh... No, I'm uh, Francine Laporte. I sing at the Club Rue. I thought you looked familiar. I've enjoyed your singing. Oh, thanks. Well, sit down. The sofa ain't busy. Have a drink? Uh, not now, thank you. Well, you better. Chuck may not show for a while. Well, then, I really can't wait. Oh, come on. Sit down. Oh, scat, Pinky. 
That cat is all over everything. You know, Mr. North, uh, another one of your books I liked was uh, Murder in the Mint. Gee, I didn't know who'd done it until the last page. Yes, Herman is a good writer. But uh, what I came to see about was Mrs. Moran. Oh, Betty? Yes, do you know her? One of my best friends. And let me tell you, she's got brains. She can figure out those detective stories where I can't. Her only trouble is money. Money? Yeah, you see, Chuck's the front in the concession business, but Betty runs it. She keeps all the check girls in line, you know, hires them and fires them, and, well, she squeezes the nickels till the buffaloes yell. I see. Yeah, right now she's uh, doing a little trick herself in a little Russian joint because, well, it don't pay to keep a regular girl there. Uh, she and Chuck get along all right, don't they? Why, they... Say, why all the interest in Betty? Oh, nothing, just inquiring. Well, I don't know what you're after, so I ain't going to talk out of turn. You'll have to wait for Chuck. Well, I, I, I really must be going, Miss Laporte. Oh, stick around. I'm leaving in a minute for my act at the club, but uh, we could uh, spend a little time talking uh, about murder stories. You got any new ones coming up? Several. I'm afraid I'll have to go now. Oh, 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 oh I'm sorry. Somebody's going to step on that cat's neck someday, and that'll finish him. Uh, tell Chuck I call, will you? <laughs> sure, tall and handsome. And uh, drop around the club sometime, huh? I'd be delighted, Mr. Porter. Oh, call me Francie. Everybody does. <laughs> All right, Francie. I'll be seeing you. Okay, big boy. <laughs> I can tell you, Bill. That's the way Jerry and I found her. All right, Pam. Thanks. Medical examiner's busy in the check room. Maybe he'll turn up something. Mm. Hey, Mullen. Hey, Luke. Bring in that big Russian. You mean the doorman with the fur hat? That's right. Mm. Okay, Luke. Jerry didn't seem to think that you'd find many clues, Bill. He said that the way the murderer worked, he oh, wouldn't uh, have time Lieutenant to... Lieutenant Wigan, oh. here's something you might find interesting. What's that, Doc? When I moved the girl's body, I found this menu on the table under it. She was trying to write a message when she died. Yeah. Oh, let's see, Bill. Hmm. Scroll from one end of the card to the other. W-O-M-E-N. Women killed me. Women? Gollies. That means the girl didn't know who her assailants were. If she had, she would have tried to write out their names before she died. You can move the body any time you want, Wigan. The stiletto did the trick, all right. I'm going down and file my report. Okay, Doc. Good night. Bill, I can't believe a woman could be so cold-blooded. They come always, Pam. This girl didn't know who they were, so that rules out friends. Let's see. This way, Cossack. Lieutenant wants to see you. Butchikatovich. Tovarist. Hello. What's your name? It's Vasov, Lute. Were you on the door outside all evening, Vasov? I was, for truly. You see any women come into the restaurant? Women? Yes. Women. Men, too, also. I mean just a party of women, two or three. They must have come in and left immediately. Women, yes. Men, yes. Not very definite, is he? Yes. Think you could identify these women if you saw them? Perhaps yes, perhaps no. Women come, go. Yes, many. Well, I guess it was one of them. All right, Bosov. You want to hold him as a witness, Luke? Yes, take him to headquarters, Mullins. Right. Come on, Cossack. We oh. don't want to lose you. Now, Bill, here's what I think you ought to do. Find out if any of the girls working in these concessions had it in for Betty. <laughs> Please, and then Pam, you... just a minute. Uh, I, I've got to think this thing out. Hello, anybody. Oh, Jerry. What success? Did you find Chuck Moran? Hello, Jerry. How are you, Bill? Jerry, I'm asking you a question. Did you find Mr. Uh, Chuck? Uh, no, dear. He wasn't home. 
But I did find out the dead girl is his wife. Chuck's no. wife, are you sure? Yes, Bill. Name's Betty Moran. Where's Chuck? The girl in his apartment said he was due there in a little while. Uh, the girl? Okay. I'll give orders to have him picked up. I'll be back in a minute. Jerry, who is the girl? Uh, Francie. I mean, Francine Laporte. She sings at the Club Rue. Francie. Francie. And is she a redhead, dear? Why, yes. How'd you know? There are red hairs all over your coat. Hairs? Jerry, what were you doing up there? Oh, 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 they came from that cat in the apartment. A cat, huh? Yes, a cat named Pinky. Yeah. Jerry, you haven't answered my question. What were you doing up there? Oh, nothing. We talked about Moran and his wife and about uh, detective stories. Detective stories? In the old days, it used to be etchings. Now, Pam, for goodness sake. <laughs> oh, you needn't get so flustered, Jerry. Oh, who's flustered? You are, darling. Is she uh, good-looking? Mm, in a way. Mm, I see. Do you think she killed Betty? She? Well, Pam, whatever gave you that idea? Bill Wigan had a menu with a message that the murdered girl wrote on while she was dying. It said, women killed me. Women? Yes, and, and this, this Francie may be one of them. Well, that doesn't seem possible. Jerry, you're a very poor judge of women. You never can tell when they're lying to you. Now, Pam. Uh, come on, Jerry. We're going over to that apartment. I want to talk to Miss Francie Laporte. You can't. She's at the Club Rue by this time. All right, then we'll go to the Club Rue. Come on, Jerry. Oh, uh, this is a good table, huh? Uh-huh. You can see everything, Jerry. I'm afraid we should have told Bill Wigand where we were going. Bill Wigand is no better judge of women than you are, dear. All I want to do is to talk to her for a few minutes, and I'll be able to tell whether she had anything to do with that murder. I hope this doesn't lead to trouble. Uh, listen, Jerry. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our great pleasure to introduce at this time that delightful singer of French song, Miss Francine Laporte. Oh, she's French. Mm -hmm. From Brooklyn, France. Isn't she, Jerry? Uh, uh, what? Oh, oh, yes, yes, she is, dear. Jerry, you don't always stare that way when you listen to music. Well, it's a bit different from Dimitri and his fiddle. Well, she's not singing from a heart. Jerry, she sees you. Yes, yes, she does. As soon as she's through singing, I'm going back to her dressing room. We'll both go. Oh, you're going to stay right here. I'll be able to judge her better if we're alone. All right, dear, but be careful what you say. Okay, Francie. 
63 from the top, boys. You ready? One, two. Hey, Chuck. What's the matter, Francis? You finished already? Listen, that guy north that was up in the apartment? Yeah? He's out front with the dame. I wonder what that log's up to. Well, he's poking around for something, Chuck. If he's just come to see me, he wouldn't have brought no dame. Yeah, I wonder what. Quiet. Here, get behind the screen quick. Whoever it is, get rid of him. Okay, keep your shirt on. Uh, Miss Laporte, may I see you for a minute? I, um, I got a change for my next oh, number. Oh, it won't take a minute. Will you get out? I haven't got no time to... I'm Mrs. North. Uh, you met my husband, Mr. North, up in Chuck Moran's apartment. Yeah? Well, what do you want? I just want to ask you one question. What did you and my husband talk about tonight? Detective stories. Why? Oh, didn't you talk about who killed Betty Moran? Kill... Killed Betty? Oh, didn't you know she was dead? What are you talking about? Betty Moran was murdered tonight. Hey, what's this all about? Miss Dame says Betty was bumped off. I heard. Where'd you get this from, sister? Uh, well, uh, the police found her. Are you Chuck Moran? Yeah. Who got Betty? Uh, the police are looking for you. Yeah, well, I'm going out looking for the police. Get your hat and coat, Francie. Oh, you can wait right here. The police will come for you. Out of the way, lady. Hop to it, Francie. I'm ready, Chuck. You'd better not leave, Mr. Moran. Get away from that door. Ouch! Let me go. Come on, Chuck, will you? Just a minute. What? Jerry, stop them. That's Chuck Moran. Out of the way, jerk. Get back, Moran. Yeah? Sure. Finish him, Chuck. Get out. Get him. Go ahead. Oh, oh, Jerry. Here, you. Get away from that phone. Try and stop me. Why, you little... Ow! Oh! Ouch! Hello? Give me that phone, oh. operator. Give me that Quick, phone. the police. Uh, help! Murder! Police! Jerry, are you sure you're all right? Yes, dear. Good. I want to look out the back. Oh, gollies. Jerry, you know, this is the first ride I've ever had in a patrol wagon. I hope it's not your last. Shut up, Moran. You gonna let him get away with that, Chuck? I'll kick his teeth in. Yeah. Jerry, look out. I'll handle him. Oh, you're gonna go ahead, it. Chuck. Hey, hey, pipe down. Him, Jerry. Break it up, or I'll break it up with my stick. Oh. You'll have plenty of time for shouting when we get to the cooler. As soon as we get there, officer, I want to see Lieutenant Wagon. All right, lady, but quiet down. I can't hardly hear the gong. Doc. Oh, Lieutenant Wagon. Came down to the morgue here to take a look at them. Well, there they are, in the trunk. Hmm. Some package. How were they killed, Doc? Bullets through the head. Close range. Crammed in the trunk after death? Right. If one corpse hadn't bled, they might be on the way to California by now. The expressman noticed the blood coming out of the corner of the trunk. Yeah, that's the standard way of getting rid of bodies. Drop them off at the express office and ship them off across the country. Well, Wagon, now you've got two cases on your hands. Any identification on the bodies? No, not a clue on them. Hey, hey, Luke. You got them, Mullins? Yeah. Come on, Cossack, in here. Come on. What's up? Lieutenant, it is not since the days of the time. Just a minute, just a minute. I'm sorry we have to hold you as a witness, Forsyth. But it can't be helped. I want you to take a look at these bodies. Say, uh, Lute. Yes, woman. Mr. and Mrs. North, they were just brought in. In the wagon. Pam and Jerry? Mm-hmm. For disturbing the peace. Mr. North got into a fight with Moran. They got Moran? Good. 
Settle the charges and bring Pam and Jerry down here to the morgue. I done that already. They're coming as soon as you can speak. Excuse me, is Lieutenant Wagon... Oh, there you are, Bill. Come in, Jerry. He's here, Pam. Come on. Oh, Bill, we just had the most exciting... Oh! I'm sorry, Pam. Not a very pretty sight. Good Lord. Who are these men? We don't know yet. How about it, Bosa? You recognize those bodies? These men, I know. Yeah? What? Oh, you do? Where from? The restaurant. The night they go in, come out. Uh-huh. You're positive about that? I see them only two hours ago. A boss off never forgets. They're the ones that done it, Luke. But that note, Bill, the one she wrote, it said women killed me. Yes, it, it doesn't fit. I wonder... Hey, Bill, have you that menu with you? I've got an idea. What, Jerry? Oh, uh, yes, here it is. Huh. That could be it, all right. Sure. What, Jerry? Well, look at this menu. See, the girl started the word women right at the edge and wrote across the page. Yes. Now, when she wrote this, remember, she was dying. Things must have been going black for her. Jerry, don't talk so much. Just tell her. What's your idea, Jerry? She started her writing off the edge of the menu. There's a letter missing. A T. A T? Yes. And what do you get when you put a T in front of the word women? Twimmen. Uh, women. Oh, Jerry, that doesn't make sense. I see what you mean, Jerry. Sure. Spell it out, Pam. T-W-O-M-E-N. Two men. Oh, I see. She tried to write, two men killed me. Oh, why, how clever of you, Jerry. Well, we've got the two murderers. Yeah, in a trunk. But who got them? Wait a minute. I think I have it. What time? <laughs> yes, sir, those bodies. That's it. Why, Jerry, it's right in front of you and you can't see it. Pam, will you make sense? Bill, have Mr. Moran and that girl brought down here right away. Well, Pam, you'd better tell us what you're going to do. No, no. This takes very delicate handling. I have to do it my way, Bill. But, Pam... I won't say another word until they're here. All right, Mullins. Bring them down. Come on, come on. Come on. Hey, what's this all about? We're going to find out right now, Moran. Sit down. And you take that chair, Miss... That's uh, uh, Miss Laporte, Bill. Thanks. Close the door, Mullins. Okay, Luke. Now then. Uh, Mrs. North is going to ask a few questions. I want them answered. Say, who does she think she is? Let her ask. See what it gets her. Yeah, well, when she's finished, I got a few things to ask. Only it'll be through my lawyer. All right, that's enough. Go ahead, Pam. Uh, well, Mr. Moran, your wife, Betty, was murdered tonight. You said that at the club. I don't know nothing about it. Didn't you sneak into the Russian restaurant tonight and corner your wife in the check room and, and stab her to death? <laughs> You're crazy. I wasn't near the joint. This man I don't see by the restaurant tonight. You see? Quiet, please. Bosov tells the truth. All right, Bosov. Well, he ought to know. I wasn't there. Then where were you? Say, what is she? A woman dick? Answer the questions, Moran. Where were you? Home. In my apartment. Jerry, did you see Mr. Moran when you were at his apartment? No. Only the girl. That's because you didn't look, fathead. I was out in the kitchen all the time you was there. Ask Francie. That's right. He was there all the time. All right, Mr. Moran. You admit you were in your apartment all evening. Sure, sure. I got an alibi. I can tell you everything that guy said. All right, Bill. Arrest Mr. Moran for the murder of those two men. What? what? Say, what is she trying to hang on me? He didn't kill nobody. Can you prove this, Pam? Look at the bodies, Bill. Their coats are covered with hair. Cat's hair. Just like Jerry's was. Those men were killed in Moran's apartment. That's a lie. I was there. Mullins, take care of the clothes of these bodies and get samples from the apartment. Right. If the hairs match... Going to send Moran and this girl straight to the electric No, car. no, not me. You can't. Shut up, Francis. You can't do this to me. He shot them. I didn't have anything to do with You're it. You crazy ape. Oh, 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 o
Oh, he did it. He hired those guys to bump her off. Then when they came around to get paid, he shot them. Why did he want to get rid of his wife? She knew too much. The police are looking for three girls that disappeared. Girls that used to work for Moran. I don't know what happened to them, but Betty did. She was going to tell the police because Moran was playing around with me. She was jealous. Why, you're lying. That's enough, right. Crossing. Take them away, Molly. Come on, move, Moran. All right, you fucking bandit. Well, Pam, that was a smart piece of detective work. Oh, I'll say. How did you know about the cat's hair? Jerry had them on his coat. Thank heaven. Thank heaven is right. It solved the case. Oh, I don't mean that, Jerry. I mean, thank heaven they were from the cat. Not that red-headed Francie. Girls, here's what lovely Paulette Goddard said about you, your beauty, and that man of yours in the war. She said... He's fighting for you. It's up to you to look the part. Why not see how my three-minute care with Woodbury cold cream will help keep your skin smooth and enduring? I call it WBNC. That's short for Woodbury Beauty Nightcap. Try it. And lovely Veronica Lake says the same. These gorgeous stars prefer inexpensive Woodbury cold cream. For it's true, you can't give your skin better care at any price. And yet Woodbury costs just ten cents to a dollar and a quarter. And here's special help for women with extra dry skin. Help you need right now when winter weather can coarsen your complexion terribly. It's Woodbury Dry Skin Cream, and it costs just 10 cents, 25 cents, 50 cents a jar. Try this exceptional cream. See for yourself how it helps eliminate those dry skin lines that tend to make a woman look older. Helps bring back supple softness to rough, dry skin. Ask for Woodbury Dry Skin Cream. again next Wednesday evening at the same time for another adventure of Mr. and Mrs. North. Pamela buys a turtle and a spy plot snaps in her face. For thrills and laughs, be sure to listen, won't you? This is Ben Grower saying goodnight for Woodbury, Woodbury, Woodbury For the skin you love to Stay tuned for Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, who welcome special guest Orson Welles. The makers of Chase and Sanborn Coffee bring you Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, and Mortimer Snurd with Ray Noble and his orchestra, Joan Merrill, yours truly, Jim Amici, and Charlie's special guest, Orson Welles. And now we have a song by that lovely, vivacious, charming personality, none other than... Your obedient servant, Orson Welles. 
You may applaud if you care to. What is this? That's quite all right, gentlemen. Don't bother to curtsy. Orson Welles. Long time no see. But not long enough. Yeah. <laughs> ah, Charles, Charles, it's indeed a great pleasure to meet my old compatriot and worthy opponent of many a battle of wits. Yeah? Gee, mm. do you mean that, or, or is this a booby trap? <laughs> yeah, Charles, I really mean it. Well, that's nice, gentlemen. Then we should have a very pleasant reunion this evening. Oh, I'm sorry, Edgar, but I must hurry off to give a very important lecture at the museum tonight. Yeah. You give a lecture at the museum? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'll have you know I have brains. I'm not just a pretty face. <laughs> no, you're not, no. Charlie, well, let's attend Orson's lecture tonight. Yeah. Yeah, that has possibilities, yeah. Well, I doubt if you can find me. I'll be on the third floor among the anthropoid apes. Well, wear your hat so we'll know you. Yuck, yuck, yuck. We have very funny lines here tonight, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, please uh, stick to the script, Orson. Maybe you can't read. Oh, no. Uh, well, I shall prove it. I shall prove it by doing a uh, reading as only Orson Welles can do it. Would you like to hear a soliloquy from Hamlet or a speech from Julius Caesar? I'd like to hear a song from Joe Merrill. Oh, that's nice of you, Charlie. I'll be glad to sing for you. You mean I don't give my reading? Uh, no. Very well. May I say it was nice being among friends, even though they weren't mine. <laughs> Goodbye. And now, Joni, getting back to your song. How many hearts have you broken? Oh, I really haven't kept track. <laughs> Must be hundreds, even thousands. Must add them up sometime. <laughs> many hearts have you broken with those great big beautiful eyes those great big beautiful eyes that tell such beautiful eyes how many times have you kissed somebody like you kissed me just then i don't believe you mean it but baby kiss me again how many hearts have you stranded on the dreamy road to romance? Baby, I'll take a chance. I need some lovers. I just can't resist you, even though I'm wise. How many hearts you have broken with those great, big, beautiful
Oh, Mr. Bergen? Yes, Charlie? You know, it's uh, it's getting mighty close to Halloween time now. Yes. And uh, I was uh, I was wondering what you were going to do to make my Halloween a happy one. I see. Just wondering how much you were going to do. That's all. I see. Well, of course, Charlie, I do want to do something. Oh, I just knew you'd come through. Yes. Could you give me an inkling? Well, I, yes, yes, I know what I'll do. What? I'll, um, I'll tell you a ghost story. He, a ghost story? Yes. Can you afford it? Oh, yes. <laughs> I say, Edgar, old boy, uh, couldn't you tell us one now? Well, I'd be glad to, Ray. Yes, I love ghost stories, you know. They frighten me out of my wits. It does me good to get out once in a while, you know. <laughs> May I listen to? Well, of course, Joni. You know, I'd better hold your hand. You know, you might get scared. Oh, Charlie, I'm not afraid of ghosts. Oh, you know. Well, I am, so you better hold mine, then. <laughs> there. You comfy now? Hmm? Comfy yet? Oh. Now, first of all, do you folks believe in ghosts? I hardly believe in people. All right. <laughs> well, you believe this one because it's not only a ghost story, but it's an actual experience. Yeah. They all start that way. <laughs> this one is an actual experience. Tell it. Don't sell it. All right. <laughs> You'll find this story very fascinating. Well, hold everything while I put on my fascinator. Yes, all right. <laughs> to begin with, a friend of mine named Joe Franklin bought an old eight-room house in Hoosick Falls, which is a small town in Upper New York. How far is Hoosick Falls? From where? Thank you. <laughs> Doesn't seem like the right answer. No. Well, anyway, my friend bought this old eight-room house. Was it a two-story? No, it's a ghost story. All right. As a matter of fact, Joan, it was a two-story house. But the upstairs was never used. Why? Because there was a rumor that it was haunted. It was, huh? Yes. It was what? Haunted. Inhabited by ghosts. That's yeah, but uh, look, uh, didn't Joe Husick know that before he bought the place? Well, yeah. yeah. Well, no, Ray, his name is Joe Franklin, and the house is in Husick Falls. I see. Yes. Well, you want to watch that, eh, Yes, I'm... Careful. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Right? He's really sharp. Yes, yeah, yeah. Did, did Joe Falls know that when Husick was haunted? Oh, not me. The name is Franklin, and the house was in Hoosick Falls. Well, don't get sore. Don't get sore. It was an eight-story, two-room house. No, I mean, no, no. no. But you mean it was an eight-house, two-story room? Yeah, yeah, no, no. (laughs) Sounds very unlikely. Yeah. Anybody live in it? Well, of course. Hoosick lived downstairs. And raised goats upstairs. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Who lived in what? Mr. Poughkeepsie lived in Schenectady. Oh, now stop it, Charlie. Now, if you don't want to hear this story, say so. So? No. no. (laughs) Oh, now, come on, chaps. Huh? Oh, no, come on, fellas. I mean, uh, Edgar, tell us the rest of the story. Now, uh, now, wait a minute. Let's get this clear. Yeah. What is your friend's name? Oh, let's forget he's my friend. All right. Yes. Oh, forgetting friends. That's fine. Huh? <laughs> too good for him. No, no, I'm not too good for him, and I'm not forgetting friends. You're not? No. Isn't so, Becky? Isn't so? No, no. I shall proceed. I was the first person brave enough to enter this house and spend the night in the upstairs bedroom. Stout fella. Stout fella. 
A man has good job. Gumption. <laughs> Fooled you, didn't I? Yes, yes, yes. Boldly, I walked up the stairs and bravely I entered the room. And then you fainted. No, I didn't. <laughs> At the stroke of midnight, I heard peculiar noises, as if someone were tapping on the walls. And I heard footsteps. Footsteps on the ceiling. Where? Uh-huh. Snootful, huh? No, no, no. First I thought the noise was a ghost. And then I thought it wasn't. And then I thought it was. But this is no time for shilly-shallying either. It was or it wasn't. Let's face it. Then all of a sudden a white figure seemed to be moving around the room. Moving around without a head. I say, you know, that's quite a coincidence, old boy. It really is. Yes, the other day, you know, there was something running around my room without any legs. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was it? Water, old boy. Water. <laughs> <laughs> well, that settles it. Settles what? Well, I'm not going to finish the story. Why? I am not going to make a fool of myself. Oh, I don't know about that. Yes. You're right. I have made a fool of myself. Oh, come now, Bergen. You're so sensitive. And so right. <laughs> oh, Jim, Ray. Uh, yes, Edgar. Yeah, I want you to both keep Tuesday night open. I've decided to give Charlie a Halloween party. And surprise him. Why, certainly, Edgar. I'll be glad to come. Yes, me too. I say it sounds awfully jolly. Are we going to play games? Yes, yes. And I also want you to wear costumes. Oh, fine, fine. I'll wear my dark brown suit, put a lump of sugar behind each ear, pour cream on my head, and come as a cup of Chase and Sanborn coffee. No, no. <laughs> and I'm going to put a candle in my mouth and come as a, as, as a Johnny Lamp. Yeah. A Johnny Lamp. A Johnny Lamp, yeah. No, yes. no. You, oh, you mean a Jack-o'-lantern. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Oh, you see, that way, Edgar, that way I can be lit all evening. Yes, you can. Yes. You get it, don't you? I mean, about the lantern no. being lit. Yes. The lantern you don't the have to go any farther. <laughs> no. Uh, who else is coming, Edgar? Well, I've invited everybody. Joan Merrill and... Uh, oh, I almost forgot. Where's Mortimer? Mortimer! Mortimer! <laughs> Help, help. Is you, is or is you ain't my bergen? All right. <laughs> well, Mortimer. Well, that's me. Yes. Say, I want to tell you. Oh, quite. Now, sure, sure. <laughs> Mortimer, hmm? I'm giving a party. Well, that's nice. That's nice. Yes. Who's it for? Hmm? It's Halloween. Hmm? For Halloween. Well, I don't believe I know him. No. <laughs> It's a Halloween party. Oh, I see what you mean now. Yes, and you're invited. Mm. That's nice, ain't it? Well, of course it is. Do, do you want me? Do you want me to? Uh, uh, do you want me to wear a wear a, a, a false face? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no. I don't think you'll need one. No. <laughs> You're just flattering me. No, I'm not. <laughs> then we shall expect you. I, I, uh, mm? I, um, I say then we'll expect you. Expect me to what? Uh, well, uh, to be at the party. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I think so. I'll, I'll be there if I can get the time off from 
Still my job, you see. I got a job. You have a job? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, so he goes on. How to do? What kind of work are you doing? Hmm? I say, what kind of work are you doing? Well, I've been, uh, I've been, uh, uh, I go to work, uh, I see. Uh, what was the question? Well, was the question? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of work are you doing? Well, uh, what do you, what do you call a fellow, what do you call a fellow that, uh, washes a window? That washes a window? Yeah, uh, you call him, um, see, uh, a window washer? Uh, well, yeah, well, is that what you do? Yep, that's what I do. Well, hanging on the outside of those buildings doesn't seem like a very good job. Well, well it keeps me off the streets. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Marjorie, how long does it take you to wash your window? I, um, I say, how long does it take you to wash your window? Well, there's... um. That, of course, depends on. Yeah. On what? Well, on uh, what's going on inside the window. (laughs) (laughs) Do you get paid by the window? I I say, do you get paid by the window? No, no, no. Get paid by the boss. By the boss, yeah. (laughs) Mortimer, how can you be so stupid? Well, I get plenty of sleep and good exercise. I'm (laughs) asking Express in my heart a song of love. 
Well, you know, you know, fellas, this should be interesting. I, I hope it's free. Right this way, right this way, gentlemen. Buy your tickets here. Buy your oh, tickets you here. Buy Step tickets, right up. Uh, Ray, you and Charlie go ahead. I, I got a stone in my shoe. Oh, come on, Bergen. He always pulls that near a box office. <laughs> I say, uh, how much are they? Twenty-five cents. Children, ten cents. Babes in arms, free. No, you don't, Bergen. Put me down. All right, all right. Put me down. That'll be sixty cents, bud. Yeah, but yes, uh, sixty cents. Yes, but 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 my name is Edgar Bergen. Sorry, but all people have names. Yeah. All right, here's your money. Here's your here's your tickets. Thanks, suckers. <laughs> I, I'm certainly going to report that smart Alec. Hey, you are, folks. Get your programs. You can't tell a chattering baboon from your mother-in-law without a program. <laughs> Why, Orson? I thought you were giving a lecture here. What are you doing with that guide coat on? Well, it's rather cold in here. I see. <laughs> that explanation ain't so hot either. <laughs> well, don't tell me, Orson, that you're just a guide. Well, certainly I'll do anything to further the cause of education mm -hmm. and also to pick up an extra buck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a complaint to make. After we paid our admission, the ticket seller called us suckers. There's no admission charge here. There isn't? No, sucker, uh, sir. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now, here's a ticket right here. It says good for one admission... To the New York World's Fair. Oh, no, look, no, fellas, look, we came to hear a lecture. So, uh, get on with it, my good man. <laughs> Very well. Gentlemen, right over here is the first exhibit. It starts with the evolution of man. It was over 80 million years ago that Lobar Molossus, or the lungfish, first crawled out of the deep, abysmal swamp. Reeking with a dank, sultry smell of fetid vegetation. What do you suppose it did? Held its nose? No. <laughs> no, it continued to adapt itself to its new environment, so that upon that supposition, we believe that man is a descendant of the fish. <laughs> Are you descended from a fish, Ray? <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. Uh, I must confess that in the spring, I, I do have a mad desire to swim upstream. You know... <laughs> We have the Mastodonai, uh, the Triceratops, and the Monoclonias. Leaving on track, too. And in this group are the Tyrannosaurs, the Brontosaurs, and the Dinosaurs. And a Whiskey Sour. Make it two. Please, please, quiet. Are there any questions? When did they live? Well, they were here as recently as 15 million years ago. Hmm. Oh, that's a shame. We just missed them. 
I say, uh, uh, was this uh, uh, this fossil uh, a man-killing beast? No, this was a docile fossil. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and stop feeding it peanuts. Can't you see it's only a skeleton? I know, old chap. I was only feeding him the shells. <laughs> well, in that case. Now, let's all get back to the Miocene age. Uh, you go. I'll wait here. Mm-hmm. This period goes way back when old faithful Geyser was just a little squirt. Or even before the Dead Sea took sick. <laughs> Isn't that keen? <laughs> I made that up myself. Yeah. Well, I did. Yeah. Orson, you're forcing. Yeah. <laughs> let, let's see now, where was I? Yeah. Uh, something interesting, something yeah. very interesting. Oh, yes, I was talking about myself. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any questions? How can we get our money back? <laughs> now, if you'll step a little closer, we want to keep the sidewalk clear. I'd like to give you a scientific demonstration of the little marble potato peeler. No, oh, no I'm sorry, sorry. That's, that's another lecture I have. It's quite a different subject now. Say, so, what is that skeleton? Uh, well, it's the duck-billed dinosaur, or trachodon. Well, make up your mind. Which one is it? Well, it's one and the same. Oh. You know, there are some people who actually don't know... The difference between a stegosaurus from a brontosaurus. Oh, heavens, let's have nothing to do with them. (laughs) Are there any questions? Yes. Where can we get another guide? Quiet. A good point. Now, over here we have the Hall of Living Mammals. Well, where are the pebbles? Home with the kittles. Oh. Now, shut up. (laughs) Now we come to the Paleontholic exhibit. Here's the Neanderthal or Homo Neanderthalensis. Yes. They hardly got in, did they? <laughs> what does that mean? Are the Homer Neanderthalensis? Yes, sir. Yes. I'm darned if I know, but doesn't it sound impressive? Yeah, <laughs> uh, now, according to the genealogist, there was the trineal man, or Pithecanthropus, followed by the Piltdown man, or Aoanthropus ventriloquus bergoni. Yes. Would you mind dragging that past again in low gear? <laughs> Quiet, please. You're so noisy, I can't hear what I'm saying. You're not missing a thing. <laughs> now, in this case here, we have the perfect example of the pre-Neanderthal man, or missing link. Yeah, but Professor... Notice the expressionless eyes, the receding forehead, and the flat cranium. Yes, but Professor... It's the most illiterate face I ever looked at. I got a TL for you. You're looking in a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Edgar, how was your visit to the museum? Well, it was very interesting. We learned all about the Neanderthal man, the Cro-Magnon man, and the Java man. Well, speaking of Java, man, that really starts me on a train of pleasant memories. Of good food, good company, and your own good pleasure at sight of a cup and saucer. The sight of your coffee cup is a promise, too, when there's Chase and Sanborn coffee on hand. The promise of all the coffee satisfaction a cup can possibly hold. So fill it up. Drink up and have another. Enjoy the richer, more flavorful blend that made the second cup famous. Through the past 80 years, Chase and Sanborn flavor has made history become a tradition. And in the past year, more people changed to Chase and Sanborn coffee than to any other kind on the market. That's the biggest swing in coffee history. But even so, it's only half the story. Besides that, in the hotel and restaurant field where coffee simply has to be good... Chase and Sanborn are the leading coffee roasters. You're entitled to all this extra goodness, so make sure that you get it. Ask your grocer for delicious Chase and Sanborn coffee every time. 
Well, Charlie, after visiting the museum, I suppose you can tell your schoolmates where all the prehistoric monsters came from now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's from the prehistoric club. No, 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 no. No, they remember, they they came from the Ice Age. Yeah. And that was way back when Mother Nature, for thousands of years, wore an ice cap. Boy, she must have had a terrific hangover. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and do you realize those dinosaurs we looked at in the museum? Yeah. Do you realize that they weighed 30 tons? No. Yes. 30 tons? Yes. Is that strip? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Us again next week when Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Effie Clinker, Orson Welles, Joan Merrill, Ray Noble, and all of us will be on hand. And Charlie will take over tips on models with that famous authority on the subject, Mr. John Powers. This week, when you're buying coffee, think of us and ask for Chase and Sanborn coffee. Coffee made to serve in times like these. This is Jim Amici saying goodnight from New York's Radio City. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.